0: Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that your horse is an individual and you should seek professional advice before implementing any strategies. This week, Nancy and I will be discussing a webinar that we attended and the webinar is um, was originated from a research paper by Sue Dyson et al. So Sue herself actually hosted the webinar in conjunction with World Horse Welfare. And it is based on her paper that is called, Do Owners Recognize Abnormal Equine Behavior When Tacking Up and Mounting? A Comparison Between Responses to a Questionnaire and Real-Time Observations. So what they did was they asked owners a series of questions about um, behaviors their horse may or may not display when being tacked up. And once the owners had completed the questionnaire, they then had them tack up the horse and a veterinary professional observed them and documented whether those behaviors occurred or
1: not. And Nancy, you've got a little bit more of a background on Sue and her experience in this area. Yes um Sue is an internationally renowned veterinarian she ran a clinical referral service for lameness and poor performance at the Animal Health Trust in Newmarket for 37 years so this this veterinarian definitely knows lameness mm-hmm. and she also has carried out extensive research into lameness diagnostic imaging and poor performance. And she has produced horses uh, to national levels in both eventing and show jumping. So she has quite a bit of experience in this area. And uh, what she uncovered as far as owners and riders and trainers uh, ability to recognize lameness w- was really kind of shocking to me and that's what it was just it was really interesting because that's what really
0: stood out to me is they asked owners you know does your horse do this 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 and this and the owners would be like no so for instance one of them was when you're bridling your horse do they put their ears back Um, And the owner said, no, they don't do that. They don't do any of these behaviors. And then when they were tacking up their horse, she said some of the more astute owners um, were like, oh, okay, no, they do. They do these behaviors. We just hadn't noticed. And I thought that was quite cool because I knew that my mare was adverse to having the bridle put on. Um, I would have said she displayed avoidance behaviors. So, you know, raising her head and trying to kind of move away from you. But then when you look into all the other behaviors, so they had a list of behaviors, but the horse had to display at least eight to be showing signs of pain. So that way it kind of rules out whether a horse might just be doing something because it's acquired or it's learned to do that. Um, But when I was thinking about all the other ones, I was like, yeah, when we used to saddle, like, girthing up, my horse used to always, you know, look back at the girth. She went through a period where we used an elasticated girth. And I think it probably was, she was in a riding school for a while, and I think it probably was tightened incorrectly a number of times. But she had some back problems and some um, pain And she actually got to the point where if you went to touch her girth, like she wouldn't even have the saddle on. She wouldn't be tacked up by any means. But if you were stroking her and you went to stroke her in that area, she would swing her head around and go to nip at you because she was just, I had like such a bad experience with that. So I thought this was particularly interesting because sometimes we kind of take it for granted and we think these behaviors are normal, not in, B's case where she was you know very clearly being like do not touch there but you know horses that are like raising their heads when you try and put the bridle on you know how many people think that's normal and i would have thought most horses did that but that's an avoidance
1: yeah in in her study she had a good sample size she had 193 horses from 11 different barn sites so it's not like we're talking just 10 or 12 horses and of the sample group 34 percent of owners reported that their horses demonstrated abnormalities of behavior for tacking up however when they actually put them through the tacking up process with those horses 66% of the horses actually showed abnormal behaviors. So there's a discrepancy between what the owners are perceiving or seeing and what the horses are exhibiting. So um, that was kind of eye-opening that sometimes we just take it for granted that that's that particular horse that's their normal behavior, but it's not normal.
0: I thought it was interesting too, that when girthing, so, I mean, how often do we actually look at the horse's facial reactions when we're saddling and girthing the horse? But they found that one of the behaviors um, that was seen frequently during girthing um, was opening the mouth wide or flicking an ear back and, um, what were some of the other ones an intense stare you know these cues that we're probably not picking up on because we're you know we're physically facing the horse we're side profile to their heads and we're looking at what we're doing in front of us and not actually taking in or stamping a hind leg I know so many horses in that riding school that would stamp a hind leg when they were being saddled
1: Yeah. In that girth region, hypersensitivity was number one. And I am guilty of this. I put my girth way too tight because from being on the racetrack, we used to bring up that girth. We would call it cutting them in half because when you leave the starting gate, you don't want that saddle to slip. You want it to be on firmly. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't need it that tight and Sue made a you know special statement about that just make it tight enough that it's not going to go anywhere and then be aware of the ponies or the horses that might blow out when you are girthing you know walk them a little bit and then always check your equipment before you get on
0: because they're double girthed aren't they or it's not a on the race course, isn't there something else you put on over it as well?
1: Yeah, during the actual race on the jockey saddle, there's an overgirth. So you have you girth up the the racing saddle and then you put an elastic overgirth around the saddle and the trunk of the horse to make sure that saddle doesn't go anywhere but when you're just exercise riding in the morning you're in an exercise saddle which is like maybe it has a quarter tree in it and it's a flat saddle but you do have normally an elastic girth but I you usually bring it up while you're walking out to the track so you're on top the horse and while they're walking they're less likely to be blowing out and you can pull that up on both sides evenly but um, I don't know just from going from the track to then regular riding you don't need to have it that tight and I was guilty of that and my pony taught me She doesn't like an overly tight girth. And um, so that is so true, though. She's much happier when I just do it to the point that it's not going to slip. And this,
0: I think, I mean, that's something that we kind of learned the hard way as well. It's what type of girth are you using? Mm -hmm. What saddle are you using? You know, so many people aren't trained in saddle fit. Um, I mean, loads, you know, the majority aren't trained in saddle fit, but how many owners and riders can actually, you know, evaluate if the saddle fits properly? And it's just such an
1: important area. And it's there's static saddle fit and then dynamic. And the static fit is hard enough. But then once the horse goes into motion, there's your dynamic saddle fit and all your you know, criteria can go right out the window with motion. So it's so important to assess saddle fit continuously. And I think what I used to saddle fit for Steuben North America, and I think the best thing for the horses is for owners and trainers to be trained in proper saddle fitting And the only way you really learn that is by knowing the construction of the saddle. What kind of tree is in there? Where are the points of the tree? I mean, there's a lot to it. And I just think we don't do enough to train people to be able to do their own saddle fitting. And you can have a saddle fit session with a saddle fitter one day. And then 30 days later, your horse could have changed and whether musculature or gain weight or lost weight something can change that will mess up the whole dynamic over again so i think as we teach people to be around horses and to manage horses i think we need to start training them about the dynamics of saddle fitting doing a static fit and then a a dynamic fit even if it's you watching that saddle placed on your horse while you're lunging the horse just to see is it going side to side up or down I mean there's so much to it that um, I think the only way to really get it accomplished is to train people how to do it
0: definitely how often Nancy would you recommend that you have your
1: saddle checked for its fitting Uh, Every time I tack my horses, I go through a little bit of a saddle fitting because this time of year, it's spring here in America. They're putting on a little weight. Um, You know, you always want to keep tabs because a little weight gain, a little top line musculature so many things are going to change the way that saddle fits and uh, you need to be aware of it and you might have to put a grazing muzzle on one or maybe increase the workload I mean there's so much um, you can't do a saddle fitting every six months and know that in between time it's not creating pressure points
0: that's a very good point Yes. I suppose that is the key then is just educating people on how to check it. And what ties in with that as well, that I think is even more so overlooked is bridal fitting mm. and making sure that the bridle is comfortable because in one of the questions that Sue was asked during this webinar, it was a horse that particularly didn't like having its ears on the top of its head touched. And it wasn't to do with actually being bridled, I think it had some event occur where it was maybe an injury or something. I can't rightly remember exactly what happens, but it had this aversion to being touched on the top of their head. And Sue says, "You know, take the brow bands off the bridle. It doesn't necessarily need to have that brow band off on there. That could be causing just more of an issue." And start from the top, you know slide and detach the cheek pieces and slide that piece of leather just over their neck behind their ears first and try and work your way around it I just thought that was really interesting kind of practical advice for how to go about it and also sometimes I think we forget I mean horses love treats you know just like anyone else does (laughs) so maybe just take the bridle apart put that bit behind their ears and give them some tasty treats and Do a little bit of positive reinforcement to create, you know, a good situation and a good memory when they're being tacked. And the biggest part is getting the fit right first. We need to remove the pain that's associated with it. But then we can also try and just retrain the mind because it's going to remember. I mean, horses, if they've had a painful experience, that sits with them and they don't forget that so it's good to try and retrain and make it positive again Um, and but on the point of saddles nancy i was gonna ask you the length of the saddles if you could just explain that because somebody had asked you know that they needed a certain length saddle but they you know rode the horse with their son i think it was and their son needed a different length saddle and sue was saying you know, at this point, you might need to consider that you're too big for that horse.
1: Yeah, the, the panel, the end of the panel should never exceed the last rib. So that is the size of your horse or pony. So if you're a large person, and you need an 18 inch saddle, and your pony requires a 16 inch, so it's not going back on that kidney area it ends at that last rib Um, and it's always at an angle about a 45 degree angle then um, you know you may be too big for that horse or pony and you need to to consider that you're creating pain or problems or pressure points in an area that's very sensitive to the horse. And they also brought up mounting behaviors on the horse. And that is a clear indicator on whether or not your horse enjoys being ridden or not. And I think 13% of the horses in that study moved sideways away from the mounting block and there were 4% that wouldn't even get close to it. And she said the swishing the tail, chomping the bit, yanking down on the reins, tossing the head, and needed to physically be held for the person to get on the horse. Those are all abnormal behaviors. Um, I think fidgeting, there were 26% of the horses fidgeted. Now, she said that could be a training issue, but all those other uh, characteristics or behaviors, she would attribute that to pain or not being comfortable to be ridden. So I thought that that was really indicative because my pony used to move away from the mounting block. And I have a feeling probably it was due to uh, girth hypersensitivity. And uh, she also talked about the saddle relief girths, which Kate and I did an episode on those the contour girth. And she said, just because they're contour girths doesn't mean they fit your horse's contours. So just don't go buying these girths thinking, and I think sometimes they're anatomically correct girths, they're called. But she, Sue did confirm that contoured girths can have contours that do not fit the horse and this results in hypersensitivity of the girth area so everything we pick and choose and do um, if you see an aversive behavior come about especially over time there's got to be a reason for it because they also pointed out that um, horses can get into a learned helplessness or a kind of They, people called it lazy, but these are flight animals. They're not necessarily designed to be lazy. So then you have to question, you know, what's going on here. And I think,
0: you know, we've kind of touched on this before, I think, where you've said, you know, you found that niche in particular for your pony that they were interested in, like um, pulling the cars, yeah. And um, so finding, you know, your your horse might not like jumping, you know, they they just they mightn't enjoy it, they might find it uncomfortable, they might find it painful for whatever reason. Sometimes we do have to consider like just because we buy a pony that someone says is an all rounder doesn't mean that horse is gonna enjoy everything. And I spent years like with our horse just in that mindset, because I mean, even the terminology we use, you know, you break a horse to train them. So you're in this constant mindset that you need to almost like win a battle every time. And it was, as I got a bit older that I realized she doesn't like being ridden. Like whether it was pain induced or not, she absolutely does not like being ridden. And she makes it very clear that she doesn't, the only times that she's been really relaxed and hasn't minded is like the odd time that I used to just go bareback with a halter with her. But even then, I mean, you've probably got about 15, 20 minutes and she's done and she might try and, you know, give you a buck at that point. <laughs> or as I was telling Nancy before, her favorite thing was to lie down. Um, so definitely easier bareback to navigate if she lay down than when she did it. And there was a saddle on. I always had those moments where I was like, oh my God, she's going to break the saddle. <laughs> but I just realized over time and I was like, you know what? We're just, we're not going to ride you anymore. Like she doesn't enjoy it. So she's in her 20s now. And I like to call her our big lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's living it, the life of retirement.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, they said 78% of these horses in this study their saddles didn't fit. The pommel was too low In 21% of the cases, well, if the pommel's too low, your cantle's too high. So it's all a balancing act. And then bridging occurred in 14%. Now bridging is where the panels lose contact with the back. So it might be making pressure points towards the front and the rear of the saddle with nothing holding or supporting that in that panel is bridging then so there's so much i mean the tree points were too close to the scapula in 9%. This just drove me a saddle fitter crazy. So I will say if anybody has any saddle fitting questions, go ahead and send us an email and I'll have a look or send pictures and I can at least kind of guide you to what might be the problem. It's hard to do with photos and videos because it really helps if you can run a hand to the contact points of the saddle to feel it for yourself. But sometimes with motion, you can tell the saddle's rocking back and front or side to side. And sometimes the saddle is just slipping to one side and so those are all instances where something's not right because a saddle is like an airplane there should be no pitch or roll or yaw or any of that it should just pretty much be level and supportive and protect the horse's back rather than do damage to it
0: and then Nancy you know what's your take on people mounting from the ground
1: I don't like it because it pulls. It's a. Yeah. I mean, unless you're very athletic and you have a um, a lot of body control, like a gymnast on a balance beam. Uh, I don't recommend it. I don't do it. I, I always, I don't even put my foot in the stirrup to mount. I just go ahead and, um, you know, get on without using that. Now on the racetrack, we always got a leg up. So my horses are used to my weight kind of, um, distributed by the saddle tree to go ahead and help myself on but um you know i really don't like all that weight going from the ground even if though my horses will stand for that i don't i just don't do that
0: i would definitely agree with you on that front i always think it's better to mount from a block but just as you were saying that i got the best image of a jockey trying to reach those short stirrups if they didn't get a leg up
1: well, and you know what? They've got spring. Those jockeys can spring onto the back of a horse like a vaulter, and, that and they're always so nice. that. I love watching them because they're like little gymnasts, and I think that's one of the things. and And we can end on this. We are going to make this a two episode. Podcast because we have so much yet to talk about, especially with the ridden horse pain ethogram that lists those 24 behaviors. We want to kind of get into that next week. But um, it's just we have to keep ourselves in good shape as riders. And uh, 51% of riders sat at the back of the saddle. Yeah. Instead of in the middle. And that puts so much pressure on the back of the horse. And then 49% of the riders in this study out of 193, it's almost half. 49% we can just say it's half. And they didn't have any balance. So, I mean, I think if there's anything I could encourage riders to do, whether you're a weekend warrior or Uh, you ride frequently have some core stability and core strength and the fitter you are the easier it's going to be on your horse
0: and the easier it'll be on you as well I mean Uh you'll recover quicker from you know longer lessons or longer tricks. yeah but it was I just gritted my teeth like when I heard that so many people that are sitting so far back on the saddle and that it just reminded me of, you know, it's it's one of those kind of touchy subjects, but where we have horse riding as a tourism and people aren't trained, you know, how to sit or how to posture and you just watch them like a sack of potatoes on the horse and it's mm-hmm. like, oh no. Um, but I suppose that's a whole other area to delve into. And as Nancy said, next week, we will do part two of this where we look into that ethogram in a little bit more detail so you can carry this out on your horse at home and determine whether they are showing these abnormal behaviors.
1: Yeah, in like the end of Sue's presentation, her advice was to learn to look and see, just don't assume, and then get educated for improvement of equine welfare and their performance and your performance too this will this will make riding so much easier for you and then if you see there are abnormal behaviors get help in whether it's a veterinarian a clinician that specializes in um, muscles and uh, skeletal uh soreness um you know anything get help and start seeking help and um send us some saddle fitting questions we'll we'll give it a go and try to point you in the right direction perfect thanks so much nancy and talk to you next week okay bye bye thanks everyone
0: take care